Welcome to the Green Feed Podcast. I'm your host, Robert. All right, we got a very fun episode today. This is a special edition PGA merchandise show, a special edition version of the Green Feed Podcast. Today was technically day one, but the Green Feed has been interviewing people uh, since last week even for uh, cool stuff to learn about on here. So let's go over what the first couple of days of the PGA show have shown us, what we could see going forward, and uh, yeah, let's go. All right, so like I start every episode, I start with bourbon of the day. Normally it's of the week, but uh, since I got a long day tomorrow, bourbon of the day today is Wild Turkey 101. So this is actually, when I first got into bourbon, I saw it as a cheap bottle everyone recommended, and uh, I wasn't quite ready for that 101 proof. So I am uh, looking forward to drinking this one now that my palate has got adjusted to Slightly higher proofs. This one is always recommended as a good bourbon to have, especially uh, at the value it provides. So um, pour one out for today. Um, Enjoy yourself. Kick back, relax. See what the first two days of the PGA show have had in store for us. So I'm going to start. We've had a couple of cool things happen. We've had a couple of releases already, and I'll kind of touch on those. Uh, The first one that I saw come down was from Bridgestone Golf. They introduced a, <clears throat> excuse me, a new golf ball called the E12 Contact. We saw a lot of other media members get some pretty cool um, packages from Bridgestone. I'm not quite there yet, but one day I will be. But what I will say is it is a new uh, kind of Serling covered golf ball. They got some really cool technology in it. I've done a little bit of looking on it and everyone seems to be coming away pretty impressed. But the reason why you haven't seen anything written about it, the reason why I'm not really going to dive too deep into it right here is because I actually have an interview set up with Bridgestone on Friday. And so I'm going to be able to get all that information, have a really cool meeting with them, learn all about the E12 plus their tour models, the the R, the RX, the RXS, whatever they have, um, and go through all of that with you guys in a, in a special podcast. So rather than uh, talk about it on a press release, something like that, I can get it straight from the uh, the butcher's mouth. What is it from Tommy Boy? I can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking my head up a, up a bull's ass, but I'd rather take a butcher's word for it. I can get a look at some E12 golf balls by checking out some pictures and reading a press release, but I'd rather talk to the guys who helped develop it. So let's wait till Friday to go into that. But that was one of the first big releases that I saw, a new golf ball from Bridgestone. Gotta say it looks pretty cool as well. The next one that I saw was actually from Zexio, which if you don't know Zexio, Zexio is a brand that is really catered towards uh, slow to mid uh, swing players as well as very premium. So Zexio for a long time has been a very premium brand, uh, really nice gold touches, silver touches, very nice high-end premium product for the slow to mid to mid swing speed. And so all their stuff is pretty... uh, lightweight it's pretty um highly lofted um things like that so uh, like their drivers are typically pretty high highly lofted they the hybrids go down pretty far the irons don't go up past like a five iron i think something along there well zexio has introduced uh some new irons called the prime 
Now, what I will say is they have stuck to their very high-end keys with this. Gold is all over this club. The weight, the back weight's gold. The finishes are gold. The letters are gold with on the black. It's a very classy-looking club, very high-end looking. But it's not just all looks. It can't be at the price, which I will touch on here in a second. It can't be all can't be all uh, glitz and glamour at that point if they are um, going to be charging this amount. But what I said earlier is Zexio goes for the um, ultra lightweight and the higher or lower swing speed, low to medium swing speed, and these are no different. So they've introduced the prime. And some of the technology in that is the rebound frame. Now, you're probably going rebound frame, rebound frame. I've heard that on this podcast somewhere. Where was it? That is the exact same technology that is in the new Shrixon drivers. Now, I know you're probably wondering, if you don't know much about Zexio, you're probably wondering how are they having the exact same technology as Shrixon. Well, uh, Shrixon is the three-headed monster. You have Shrixon, which is um, their player's set right? Then you have Cleveland, which is for the kind of higher handicapper. I don't want to say that 100% sure, but um, they have like the high bore. They make more game improvement irons than Shrixon does, uh, and they focus heavy on short game wedges and uh, putters. You can get really good stuff for them. And then Zexio is their high-end slow swing speed brand. So the fact they're bringing a rebound frame to the Zexio set of uh, driver is speaks highly of what they believe of this technology. Another thing that they are working on is something called weight plus. Okay, weight plus is a fancy term that they are using for counterbalancing. So what that means is it puts more weight in the end of the shaft, so you get more weight in your hands, so you get a little bit better feel of the club. Um, Famously, uh, was it Nicholas or Palmer? I think it was Nicholas who uh, back-weighted all of his grips. He counterweighted everything along with um, having very heavy head weights. It allows a little bit heavier head, which can increase ball speed because mass, the whole the speed formula, whatever it's called, mass times force, whatever, right? But uh, it allows them to build a slightly heavier head while keeping it feeling light in your hands, okay? Um, the other thing that that's going to do is, since it is ultra lightweight, those club heads are probably light, the shafts are probably light, if you can put some weight in the hands, it gives it a little bit hardier feel while still maintaining a lighter swing weight, or a lighter overall weight, kind of get that, get that swing weight up a little bit and just make it feel a little heavier in your hands, even though it's not really heavier. Next thing we're looking at is a titanium face. Now, it's really cool that they've done the titanium face in the driver, the fairway wood, but it's even cooler that we're getting a titanium face in the irons. You don't see that every day, right? Titanium is a very expensive um, metal to use. So you see it in drivers a lot because it's lightweight and it's strong and it doesn't deform. So it's kind of cool seeing Zexio bring that out in their irons. So you're going to get that strong lightweight ability if this is the club for you and then finally they've pretty much added a lot of carbon fiber and some other resins it's extremely lightweight all that does is increase swing speed as well as uh, distance and and club head speed so 
Uh, that's pretty good. And in addition to this, they are also releasing the uh, Prime Royal Edition, um, which is curated for female golfers. So whatever that means. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, it seems like one of those unnecessarily gendered things. Like these are already lightweight, high launch, high spin clubs. So I don't know why, why it is suddenly for for women. I I don't understand that. But anyways, um, what we will talk about is the pricing now. So the Zexio Prime is actually the driver is eight hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. The fairway woods are five hundred ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Hybrids at four hundred, and each iron is two hundred and seventy five dollars. So for a four piece of Zexio irons, let's say you go six, seven, eight, nine pitching wedge, you're looking at eleven hundred dollars. Um. They're not they're, they're not going to sell a lot of these, and I don't think they're expecting to. Um, but you are looking at a launch date of February 12th if you are interested in this. Um, and if you were interested in the Royal Edition, you're looking at... Oh, God. $1,200 for the driver. $800 for the fairway wood. <laughs> $450 for a hybrid and $300 for each iron. So it's $1,800 for a, for a six-piece set. $2,400 for an, <laughs> an eight-piece set of Zexio Prime Royal Irons. That's ridiculous. I can't even... I don't even know what to say about the Prime Royal that would make... Like, there's no way it's worth $1,200, right? That is insane, man. Um, just trying to look at some of the some of the details that they're giving in, in some of the marketing materials. I got to say, it's if you're the player it's designed for, it's probably going to work great for you. Um, but, yeah, man, that's, that's something. That is... Certainly something. Um, I'm actually looking at some pictures of the Prime Royals. They're looking like you got some gold on the bottom. I think that's gold. I don't think that's rose gold. And then uh, pink edition. So it's got a pink jewel in the as the weight. Um, there's a lot of engraving on this. So I see, I see why they're costing that much. There's a lot of tooling involved here. A lot of really high-end finishes and stuff like that but as far as performance goes whoo that's a that is a that's a that's a tough sell face looks pretty cool face has some cool engraving on it not engraving but like laser etching pretty cool there but man twelve hundred dollars for this driver it better it better be damn good and i don't know if it is so good luck if you're if you're interested in it i think if it fits your game, if you think it fits your game, then I think that it will probably be awesome for you. The next one that we saw launched was the new Ricky Fowler prototype irons. Now, 
these are not something the average guy is going to be getting, nor should he be getting. Um, these were, there were only 750 of these made. And you may remember these a while ago. I posted on the blog, I think. If not on the blog, I did it on social media where we talked about these new uh, RF-33 irons. Well, Cobra, I guess enough people said they wanted them that they decided to release these, these irons. Now, let me tell you, they are gorgeous. They're absolutely beautiful. I would love to get my hands on a set. The problem is my hands hurt just looking at them. That is a very, very thin blade. That is going to be damn near impossible to hit. It's going to be so hard for the average guy to hit that. Not saying that you shouldn't, but they are interesting for sure. They they look like they hurt. Uh if you miss hit them a little bit, there's no forgiveness in these. It is a blade to end all blades. It, it is even when they posted pictures, even other tour guys were like, Holy moly, this is crazy. Um, these are, uh, replicas of what he plays, obviously. Now, why is he called the rev 33? That's because they did 32 different iterations of this club before they found the perfect one that Ricky loved. Okay. Um, it interacted with the ground perfectly and what's interesting about it is uh, the entire set is around, designed around a 7-iron appearance. So we know that um, as irons get shorter, we start to round off that the toe a little bit, right? The pitching wedge gets a little bit taller and a little bit rounder out on the toe. Ricky hates that, apparently. So uh, he loved the way 7-irons look. So they designed the... Um, pitching wedges to look more like a seven iron and the four iron to look more like a seven iron. So it's, I think that's pretty cool. Um, do I think that it's special or anything like that? No, I think it, it is going to be very hard to hit. And if you manage to get your hands on some of these, you're probably either a good player or you have more money than you know what to do with. The full set was $2,500, which is insane. But uh, you get a cool box, and it comes with a card of authenticity stamped by RD and uh, Research and Development, and it's actually autographed by Ricky. So um, probably pretty cool to unbox those and see those. Um, the copper finish on them is stunning and will absolutely turn heads, but um, you probably won't hit them very well. Um, to prove this point, Cobra won't ever say this, and... Uh, nobody else, everyone else is kind of glossing over this. Like, oh, these are the irons Ricky plays. Ricky played them like three times, and then he took them out of the bag and went with a different set. And this week he's playing with them. But he's probably playing with them because Cobra Marketing told him to play with them in a not important tournament. I'm just saying. These aren't actually his irons. All right, and the third and final thing that I wanted to... Actually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll do... No. Let's go ahead. Let's talk about the um, about the new Rad Speed Driver. I sat in on a, on a pretty cool session today. This was my first session of the day. And it was all about the new Rad Speed Driver from Cobra. I got to say... When I saw them come out, I thought they were pretty cool looking. And I thought we would probably get some cool innovation out of them. 
And uh, from the looks of things, we have. the Today, I was very impressed with what, what they were saying about it. Um, the way that they... The one thing I, I truly appreciated from it was the fact that they went right after in their presentation uh, some of the bigger brands, right? They went right after TaylorMade. They went right after uh, Callaway. And when I say they went right after, I don't mean that they did it in any malicious way. They did a great job of explaining why their driver's better, okay? What they did was they talked about this radius of gyration and how it's two inches from the center of the club head, and they went through all this technical stuff. And they gave props to their to their um, their competitors, which is not something you always see in a launch event like this, right? They they gave credit to their to their competitors, and then explained why their driver is better than their competitors, and how they actually combined the two competitors of Callaway and TaylorMade together to make this rad speed driver. So they talked about center of gravity a lot in this presentation, and what they did is when they measured it and saw where the weights were placed, they had a two inch um, uh, circle on a screen. And if your weights are inside that circle, you're not really affecting the center of gravity very much. But if you're outside that circle, you're really starting to affect center of gravity. And what is interesting is they have these new radial weights and all the weights on the club go outside of that driver, except for outside of that circle, except for one. So it's really cool. So what they've done is when they were talking about Callaway, right? The, Callaway is known right now for their ball speeds, and they are incredible ball speeds. And Cobra even admitted that in their thing. They said, we got a company right now that is killing it with ball speed. That's killing it with ball speed. How do they do it? Well, jailbreak technology puts a lot of weight in front up by the face. And if all the weight's up towards the front, you get maximum you're going to get maximum ball speed there. And then they looked at TaylorMade and they said, well, TaylorMade has weight, put all their weight towards the back of the club, right? They have some technology up front, but most of it's in the back in that inertia generator. And what does that do? That provides awesome forgiveness, top-notch forgiveness, right? And so what they've done is they've added a bunch of weight to the front, but they use these radial weights that we've talked about in the past they use those to pull the weight towards the back as well. So they're maximizing MOI while getting the speed up at the front. So they're combining the two drivers, basically, to create the rad speed driver. Um, when you hear rad and you hear radial weights, I think that sounds really dumb, right? It sounds way too complicated, and a lot of people, it'll go over their heads, and most people will scoff at it. But when you actually break it down like that, it actually makes a lot of sense. And it's something that I think a lot of people could benefit from. They showed the benefit in all of their different drivers and things like that. So I think it's it was a top-notch presentation of explaining why the radial weights are good and how and they also did a great job of explaining how they were able to add all that extra weight into the club without sacrificing the actual club head weight. They were able to re-engineer their crown and save weight there. They re-engineered their T-bar chassis, their speed chassis as they like to call it. So that it's able to be lighter weight. It doesn't, it's not as heavy. So that freed up the extra weight to really push that weight towards the edges of the driver to really get them the the ball flight, ball speeds, and forgiveness on this club head that they wanted. So I gotta I gotta tip my hat to Cobra. It was very impressive to hear them talk and for them to explain it. 
And the third and final thing that I that I did this week, or that I've done over the last couple of days, it was a very cool um, presentation put on by Mizuno. Now we all know Mizuno is makes some of the best irons in the in the world. If you are any kind of golfer, if you are listening to this podcast, you obviously think a little bit of equipment, and you and you think they're probably really cool and things like that. And you know that, you know for a fact that uh, Mizuno makes good irons. But what's the one thing we've never really seen from from Mizuno? A strong tour presence with their drivers in their woods. And Mizuno, let me tell you, based on this thing that I went to today, the session that I went to today, Mizuno is looking to change that, especially with this new lineup. So Mizuno has actually got some tour play from some guys who aren't under contract with them lately and have actually been winning and have won a couple of tournaments with their with their driver. Um, you're going to start to see a little bit more of a presence of Mizuno drivers out in the wild, right? They're, they're trying to really beef up their wood marketing because Mizuno, when polled by My Golf Spy, uh, people say Mizuno is high on integrity. They come out with great stuff, but they're not very innovative. And Mizuno made a point today to, to really show that they are a very innovative company, even when it comes to the woods. And how they did that, I don't know who knows this. I thought these little facts were fascinating. They were the first to create a titanium driver, the TI-110, right? Back when everyone else was uh, still using steel or persimmon, they came out with a titanium driver. Then they were the first one to use a composite head in both irons and in their woods. Now, I would probably say that Mizuno would even admit that that was probably ahead of the time it needed to be. Um, They were ugly, and my understanding is they cracked a lot. But they were the first one to do it. They were very innovative. And then they were the first company, not many people know or remember this, but they were the first company to come out with a sliding weight in their club head right around 2006, 2007, somewhere in there. We were getting movable weights from other companies, such as TaylorMade was doing the R7 where you can move one weight to one side and the lighter weight to the other and and you could do that kind of stuff. But Mizuno was the one who did it on a sliding track. They were the first one to do that sliding track weight and they've been doing it for a long time. So pretty interesting to see some of the cool innovations that Mizuno has actually come up with. Another thing that they did a good job of explaining is the fact that they are not in this to create a new product every year, right? They want to see tiny improvements. Tiny is a bad word to say. They want to see small improvements from driver to driver. Something that they really harped on in this meeting, in this session, was the fact that they are looking for incremental increases in performance from each one. So how they kind of approached the drivers lately. They gave them like a three-year, four-year track, three driver cycles track to come up with this plan. And what they wanted to do was start with the ST190. And they wanted to use the ST190 to kind of get things right, get things going back on the right track when it comes to their woods. And then the next one came out, the 200. That was last year. The 200 was a small step over the 190. And the the ST200 actually got a lot of play from a lot of people. Um, I heard it was a great driver numbers-wise. The biggest problem was the sound of it. And Mizuno knows that, and they've been working on that. And what did they do? They released the 210 this year. 
And how they broke it down was the 190 was the prototype for the 200, and then the 200 was the prototype for the 210 where we're currently at. And so really you can look at it as the ST190 was the prototype for the 210 with the 200 stuck in between. Right, if you're constantly improving on that, you'll see some companies come out with drastic changes every year, right? Uh, TaylorMade went from, before the SIM, they were the, uh, they had sliding weights, they had all this different stuff, and they were a company, they had the M6 and the M5, right? You had two slots, um, you were doing all these different things with weights, stuff like that, well then... The new one comes out, the SIM comes out, and they completely change the model, right? They completely change it to the SIM where you have a sliding weight in the front, but it doesn't really do much. And then at the back, we got this whole brand spanking new technology. And now TaylorMade's got to tell you that this new technology is even better than the last technology. You need to throw your old technology out. That's not Mizuno's way, right? Mizuno has kept their technology pretty much the same throughout these three years. They've just made changes to the weights. They've made changes to where they place carbon fiber, where they are putting in removable weights, things like that. So they're not changing things dramatically. And you can actually see that when you go back and look at a 190 to a 200 to a 210. They're subtle, small changes, but they're changes nonetheless. So this year... Um, Actually, they're not introducing this. They've always used this, but they have a beta titanium face. And what what how they how they sold it in the in the session today is that it doesn't slowly creep to a legal uh, an illegal standing, right? Over the past couple of years, we've seen Callaway on tour get dinged for having illegal drivers. Well, what happens there is the club gets used so much that it thins out, and now it's producing ball speeds that are illegal. The titanium, and, and to combat that, what you have to do is you have to create your driver lower below the standard than you want to because you have to account for the fact that that face is going to thin out throughout the years and become illegal. In order to keep that club legal, you've got to kind of have a, a face that is lower than the CT limit. And so Mizuno doesn't have that problem with their bed of titanium. It's, it, it bounces back from impact very quickly and so it doesn't have those that slow creep towards a legal status now this year mizuno's um coming out with the z model the st210z and the x the x is going to be more of a draw bias club whereas the z is going to be um, maximum moi um we're getting the weight further back more towards the center of the club head uh, the X is also going to be a little bit deeper of a club face. The the uh, the Z is going to be a little bit shallower, a little bit wider, since they are focusing more on getting maximum MOI out of that. Overall, I think they look great. I am looking forward to hitting them. Hopefully, my local PGA store has them pretty soon, and I can hop in, compare it to a G410, G425, Compared to the new Sim 2, just kind of do a nice comparison of everything. Um, once I get that done, we can we can take a look and see if Mizuno is actually bouncing back the way that they have said that they wanted to. So so far, that's it for me at the PGA show. It's been a really good time. The first today was the first official day, but it's been a really good time throughout. 
and I, I look forward to bringing you guys more information about the cool products that are out there. If you see a product and you have a question about it or you want me to talk to the team with that company, maybe you see that a company's out there that you've had a question about their product, send it to me on social media, on uh, comment section, wherever you want to send it to me, reach out. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at the green fee. Twitter's at the green fee one. Uh, Facebook is at the green fee. I'm trying to think where else you can reach me. I guess the comment section of the podcast, wherever you're listening. Um, I do ask that you share this with one person you know who loves golf. And then the other thing I ask is that you rate it and uh, review it on your podcast app of choice. That's all I ask for. I just want a little bit of help that way to help spread the news of what I'm trying to do. Until later this week, folks, hit them straight. Have a great week.